from Chi-Town. Jermaine, he is in the building. 
What up, world? Man, we, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, the first hour is going to be dedicated to nothing but football. If you tuned in last Sunday, we talked a whole two hours about football. But this time around, we got an hour, and then we have some major guests that's coming on at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, college football, again, you know, that, that rules everything in this area. We're broadcasting live South Atlanta, North Auburn, Alabama. We're doing big things, and I definitely want to give a salute to uh, Auburn University. We are broadcasting outside, and I believe uh, I see a police shining a, a spotlight on that house next door to us. But anyway, <laughs> well, welcome, Jermaine. How you doing tonight, Jermaine? I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself, Mr. T? Uh, doing doing well. Doing well. Uh, man, that game last night with South Carolina was, was was very tough, but we barely pulled it out, 42 to 35. Yeah, we pulled it off, and I'll tell you like this, the run game, Finally came apart, came to be for Auburn yes, last night. Um, and quarterback play was actually, actually not terrible at all either. So, I mean, all in all, it was a great day for the Auburn Tigers. Yes, and then, of course, our rival Alabama, they took care of their business as well uh, with the victory over Tennessee. They won 34-20. to 20. Um, Did you get to catch into that game? We did, I did actually get to catch a part of that game, and, and I say this, Tennessee is about a year or so away. That is a feisty, feisty bunch up there in Knoxville. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, it, they're probably about a year away, like you said. They'll uh, be able to make it to a bowl game. They, they might be able to try to slide into one at this three year. And five, at three and five, it's going to be very, 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 very difficult <laughs> for them to make it to a bowl game. But... Stranger things have happened, and they are a pretty good team. So I would say, I would say, yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm, I, I, you know, I always root for the underdog, and I'm, I'm hoping that you know they'll be able to get one of those spots. But you know, playing the SEC is very tough, and we see that day in and day out. And you know, last night was also a, a major upset. Well, it wasn't a major upset because usually. In the other year, LSU would be better record-wise than Ole Miss. But last night, they won in a very defensive battle, 10-7. to And I kind of question what Hugh Freeze had, uh, decided to do at the last moment. Rather than going with a reliable kicker that, that they have, they went for a Hail Mary. And I really don't understand that. And, and I know uh, – <laughs> I actually got to watch this game this morning on the SEC Network on the replay. And, um, again, like you said, Terrence, this – that was mind-boggling to me also. To see that you have a great a great kicker that you, that you recruited, you gave a scholarship to, not go out and kick a game-time 49-yard field goal is absolutely crazy. Gary Wanderlick is probably one of the best young kickers in the nation. And for him not to get a chance to kick a game-time field goal in the Senate game in overtime for them to win the game, I'd have to definitely say that that has to be one of the craziest things I've seen on the football field. Yeah, I I agree with you. I really don't understand, but, 
you know, what we were saying before we went on the air, Hugh Freeze is not, to me, is not a, a big game coach. A big game coach like Les Miles, um, Nick Saban, they would probably have gone for the, I'm not going to say the guaranteed three, but that would have been an easier probability of scoring than uh, going mm-hmm. for a Hail Mary because that happens once a season maybe or once every agree. season. I agree. And if you got a reliable field goal kicker, in which they do, they should have depended on him. And mm-hmm. see, that they're going to break his confidence. Albeit being a true freshman kicker on top of that, you know, I, I don't – I didn't really understand – what his thought process was until I actually heard what he said after the game where he said they wanted to get the five yards to the left hash or middle to left hash mm-hmm. where Gary Wonderly likes the ball to be had at. So in that regards, I see where I see where the thought process was. Mm-hmm. But don't throw the ball downfield, especially when you have a few seconds left and you have a timeout left. Just wasn't smart. Wasn't smart. And once again, like I said last week on air, when was Ole Miss going to self-destruct? And we saw that with about 10 seconds left in the game. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and you would think they would depend on a kicker by the name of Gary Wonderlick. I wonder if it's his family part of that test. Is it named after them for the, for the NFL? You know, not, so I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not real sure. And I've actually tried to look at look that up also. But I do know that he is from the state of Tennessee, and he was one of the top kickers in the state of Tennessee. I think Coles had him rated as the number three kicker in the class of 2014, mm-hmm. um, along with J.K. Scott, Auburn, um, Alabama's punter, who's also a dual-threat kicker, can do all three if, if they needed him to. Um, another, you know, like I said, you got some great kickers in the SEC. Also, some other Coles kickers like uh, Auburn's uh, Auburn's Daniel Carlson, who mm-hmm. was the number one kicker, overall kicker in 2013, and Jimmy Hutchinson, who is very disappointing to me in the reason why he's not kicking the ball at Auburn. Not being a regular punter at Auburn is kind of baffles me, but well, we've seen what he's done, so you know. <laughs> now, my question is that 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 kind of sh- shook up the playoff scenario, which you know that will be released Tuesday. So, you know, any ESPN people that lo- that love watching college football, uh, they will be having a special show on their network uh, to reveal the top four. Well, actually, not just the top four, but their top twenty-five, yeah, top 25 yeah. uh, for their playoff system. And that's the one that counts. The AP, the coaches poll, these are just secondary polls now because the college football playoff poll is the one that you want to be ranked in the top four because if you finish in the top four after the regular season and the conference championships, that will put you in the playoffs, not the AP and the um, co- coaches poll. But, see, this is what I don't understand. What what if – they say they they have miss okay. They say they have Florida State number one in the coaches um not the coaches poll but the uh, college football uh, playoff poll will have Mississippi State in the AP in coaches. I wonder could we see a split national championship? Just, just I know it's just a wild scenario, but could that happen? Even though you are selling on the field on one poll, but you know you can have writers and media and coaches. Hey, you know they could. The feasibility of that is it's very 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 minute mm-hmm. that you would have that. But 
I would not be surprised if it does happen. If it does happen to happen that way. Um, I think one of the things that everybody needs to really, really look at is the strength of schedule with Florida State because the Oklahoma State win is looking more and more and more unlikely to make that a quality win with the way that Oklahoma State's playing. They got blew out yesterday, um, yesterday at home. So, mm-hmm. I mean, without J.W. Walsh, I mean, Oklahoma State's going going downhill. Right. And with that said, we're going to welcome Scott Smith of Streetlight Recruiting. How you doing tonight, sir? I'm great, Terrence. How are you guys doing so far? Uh, we, we're doing good. Uh, glad to have you on tonight's show. Uh, we're just talking about the, the college football playoffs that uh, they're going to be releasing their top 25 come this Tuesday. Uh, what is your thought on that? And also, who would you have list, list in your, to, um, your top four right now? Well, uh, you know, as far as the, the top four, I think I think it's it's hard to definitively say as far as which team because I, I for instance, would I would venture to say that there's a good likelihood that you know, like for instance, one or two SEC spots. However, you got you still have four teams that, that are possible there. Even though I think Ole Miss, Ole Miss finally looked like what I I kind of had been coming on the show and saying, listen, I don't think they're a top five team. Um, and, and they showed it. Going on the road will show whether or not you're truly a playoff team. But with that said, I mean, I, I do believe that the SEC, you know, will get – obviously the SEC will get one. Uh, and then I, I kind of think, to be honest, I feel good. I feel really good as a Notre Dame fan. I think I think when it comes down to it, if we if Notre Dame wins at Arizona State mm-hmm. um, and Florida wins out, if Florida State wins out, if Notre Dame beats Louisville, USC, and Arizona State, Notre Dame will get in, uh, Florida State will get in, and you may have one or two SEC teams. I think people, you may have just one because people, for some reason, want to put Oregon in. You know, think about how many times Oregon has lost once or twice over the past four or five years, and people all, like, no matter what the loss was, they dismiss it and throw it back up there. You know, so I kind of think people want to put Oregon in for whatever reason. But, I mean, with that said, again, you know, I think you, you could have two SEC teams, but at the same time, with the being that this is the first time they had a college football playoff, they probably want to. They would prefer to have a geographical equality. You know, a team from every area would be their perfect scenario, probably. And you know, the one the one point I want to make is, Oregon still got to. They've still got to play on the field. They got Stanford on Saturday. So, um, with that being said, what do you think of Oregon's chances of making it to the playoffs after that game? What you know, and he, here's my thing about Oregon is I think Oregon is, I think Oregon because of the way they play, people, and, and you'll see Oregon two or three times a year. It's kind of like Mike Tyson at the end of his career when he knocked he'd knock two or three people out, and then somebody would hammer him. You know, I think Oregon they win sexy when they win. However, because of that, people overrate them, and then they end up losing to some of these solid teams. Like Arizona was a solid team, but they lost to me. They lost at home. They lost mm-hmm. at home, and they don't play in the SEC West. To me, you're—I don't see how—I don't see how you're in, like because your your only big win is Michigan State. And while I'm, I, as a Notre Dame fan, I recognize that Michigan State is a very good football team, but they play in the Big Ten. You know, they so really, what's your significance there? So essentially, you, you have a home—you you lost a game at home, and it, you know, for instance, if Notre Dame had lost a game at home to let's say North Carolina, to me that puts Notre Dame out. 
So I don't see how losing at home to Arizona doesn't put them out. But, you know, we'll see how it goes down the, down the, down the stretch. Oregon has a tendency to lose to people like Stanford, so we'll kind of see how that plays out. And they've lost to Stanford three years in a row. So um, I think Stanford is what you would call their kryptonite. Um, I think another team, if you look at the Pac-12, if you look at the Pac-12 South as a whole, there's a big game next Saturday night, 11 o'clock, Fox Sports 1. That is going to be, for me, that is going to be the game of the night there. Utah, Utah plays Utah plays Arizona State next week. So, mm-hmm. you know, both 6-1 and one ball clubs, both are really, really good ball clubs. Can't wait to see this game. Sun Devil Stadium is going to be rocking. And I can, I can actually see this game going all the way out to the wall. I totally agree with you. I mean, I think I think now Arizona State has gotten some publicity as far as nationally. People people are starting to recognize that they're really good. Um, Utah has kind of went under the radar. We've talked about this last you know last few weeks, and and I and I don't understand how, considering how under, under uh, uh, their coach, I believe it's Whittingham, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Utah has always had a very solid program. When they beat Alabama in the Sugar Bowl, it wasn't because Alabama didn't want to be there. And Utah would have beat them in my front yard. That Utah was better than them. They were really good. Utah's all had a solid program for years. They took a couple of steps back, trying to adjust to the Pac-12 depth. But they are a good program, and they're you know to me they've been flying way under the radar considering some of the other teams ranked in the top 25. But I I, I do think Arizona State's better than them. I, I could be wrong, but uh, you know my opinion of Arizona State is that they're the team. For instance, on Notre Dame's schedule, they scare me to death. They scare me to death because I think they're really good. Uh, I would agree with you on that. And, and, and the other point to that is, you know, you got four teams in the big in the Pac-12 South. I'm sorry, that the Pac-12 South is that second best division in college football behind the SEC West. And I dare I even say the Pac. I'm sorry, the Big Ten East. Um, you know, those three divisions there probably the best divisions in the country in the terms of talent and top to bottom. Where do you think that, that's a great point. That is a great point. You know, most people down here in the in the South, uh, they don't like to recognize that, but uh, I totally agree with you that that that, that Pac twelve, that division is that division is rough. And uh I think the Pac twelve as a whole, I actually had this discussion with with a guy earlier today, a big S E C fan and he asked what my opinion was on, you know, the S E C and that kind of deal and my, my thing about it is the SEC, there's three or four teams that are real, real good. But then there's always teams that are a little bit overrated. And, you know, I think you see it when, when people like Kentucky hang around with Mississippi State. That's that's ridiculous. I don't care if it's a conference game. Unless it's basketball. If Kentucky's hanging around, it, it, you know, you're not, a, you're not the best team in the country. But, uh, you know, with that said, I would say that the Pac-12, if you went one through 12 and had them matched up, the SEC number one versus that 12 number one on down the line. The SEC would win the top four or five. But when you got down six through like 12, I think the depth of the Pac-12 is highly underrated. Like we talked about Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. Then you even mm-hmm. get the UCLA's and you get Washington's and you got, I mean, think about one of the, one of their worst teams in their conference is Washington State. And, and you, you know, Terrence Solomon's an Auburn fan. They came down here last year and they give Auburn all they wanted and they, and they weren't even very good. Their depth, the Pac-12 depth, is, is is rough, and I think that they would that they're highly underrated when you get down at the 
the middle and the bottom of their conference is pretty good. I would agree with you, with the exception of Colorado, maybe it being that you know in that in that echelon of of great middle of the pack teams in the in the Pac twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, Good point. I think I think one of the better teams this year is a surprise to me. I thought Cal wouldn't be four and four. You know, coming into that coming into this game with the Oregon State next week. Or neither did I think that they would even hang in with Oregon as well as they did in that game on Friday night. Where do you think Cal will end up in that big scheme of things? Will they make Will they make it to a bowl team? Will they make it into a bowl as one of the eight well, Pac-12 representatives? Or I'll tell you this: I hadn't seen Cal this year, but this is the one thing I kind of. I believe that it rings true when people pay, you know, when you pay really close attention. I look at programs more than I look at uh, more than I look at one year. I look at how does somebody sustain a program, and generally, that starts with the head coach and the assistants and that kind of deal. Um, I know that Tony Dykes had Tony Franklin at Las Vegas. As soon as he got Tony Franklin, that Louisiana Tech program with very mediocre talent all of a sudden became something to deal with, and that's how he got the Cal job. I hadn't seen Cal play this year, and I know they were pretty bad last year, but I do know that uh, Tony Franklin, I have actually, when I coach high school football, I talked with Tony Franklin uh, personally a few times, and he is he is uh, not the most personable guy, but you talk about a mad scientist. He is a terrific offensive coordinator. That Cal inevitably, like I said, I hadn't seen him this year, but I'm going off the fact of what I expect Tony, uh, Sonny, Sonny Dyke and, uh, and Tony Franklin to, to uh, create there. I believe they're – they obviously showed improvement. They're always going to be able to score. They're going to get some of, some of that California talent in Franklin's system, which is a very good system, and they're going to be competitive. Same with Washington State. I know that they got beat pretty good Saturday, but one thing I do know is that Mike Leach, Mike Leach, uh, he made he made chicken salad out of chicken crap at Texas Tech. Uh, <laughs> if you've ever been to Lubbock, Lubbock, Texas, there's nothing there, and so that you know they're definitely not Texas Tech. Nobody thought about Texas Tech before Mike Leach. I think same thing with Washington State. Mike Leach is going to build a good program there. Um, and you, so Cal and Washington State are two programs that uh, you've got to keep an eye on because of those coaches' stability, and I think that's where they're going, you know, as far as the history of what those two coaches have done. I definitely agree with you on that. And speaking of Cal, when you have a quarterback like a Jared Goff who last year on a 1-11 team, Threw for over four thousand yards and twenty some and twenty some odd touchdowns and not many interceptions. You couldn't get any defensive help in some of those ball games. They didn't get blown out of a lot of those ball games, except for the the Utah game and the Oregon game where they just totally got blown out of the water. But this Cal team, like you said, this year as compared to last year. I mean, light years better. And I definitely agree with you with the Sonny Dykes uh, comment and the Tony Franklin comment. I mean, if you go back and you look at the year that Tommy Tuberville was let go at Auburn, they were 4-2 and two when they let Tony Franklin go. And, and I'll tell you a little, a little history on that was uh, when I, I kind of, you know, Tuberville is one of those type head, was, was one of those type head coaches that uh, he wasn't a coordinator. He liked pride himself as a CEO type, but he was the kind of coach that would meddle in every side of the ball. You know, he would 
be in the headset and all this crap. You know, to me, when you hire a guy like Tony Franklin, and I remember when they hired him, and I told somebody, I said, this is a horrible move because Tuberville, Tuberville is kind of like a guy that's used to, he loves driving a big uh, jacked-up 4x4 truck. All of a sudden, he goes and buys a sports car. He, he, don't, he don't know how to drive the sports car because he's used to driving the truck. Same thing happened there. I mean, it, you know, it's basically they hired Franklin, and he could not allow Franklin to run his system, which if you're going to hire Tony Franklin, that's what you hire him for is to run his system and leave him alone. And you could tell that it was they were holding him back, similar to Malzahn at, at Arkansas. You know, they hired him kind of to bring in recruits, and then the head coach handcuffs him. I hate that. I mean, Nick Saban does it too. To me, if you're a defensive head coach, you are an offensive coordinator. You leave him alone. Don't get in his headset. Don't tell him what to call. Let that man call his game because that's what he got paid for. Tony Franklin, the only part in his entire resume that which some would consider a failure is Auburn, and it shouldn't have been. No. Tuberville, he was a bad hire to begin with because Tuberville couldn't, he couldn't leave it alone. And I, I, I remember the day they hired him and they were going to play Clemson, that kind of deal, he was coordinating the bowl game. And I told Swadron fan, I said, that's a horrible decision. This Coverville can't, he just can't do it. Yeah, I, I think that was a bad hire anyway because I feel like they didn't have the personnel or the stu- you know the um, players to run that system because, you know, then with Al Borges there, uh, we was kind of running like the West Coast offense there. So we, we were designed to have, you know, had the full, the full big fullback, um, the big tailbacks and stuff like that. And then when Tony Franklin come in, he really didn't have the personnel to run his system, so you pretty much gave him what he can work with, and you know he did the best he could. And that probably was was the, the only slight for his career was getting thrown into something that you know he didn't really know the players, and and he was trying to implement. Yeah, it, was his like system. A, it was like a square peg in a round hole. And, and the thing is, Auburn did to me. You did it again when you won, right. you won the national title, and then you hired. The, the guy that uh that run, come from the runs the Michigan system was who is he Virginia Tech now he's offensive coordinator yeah you hire him why how, why do you win the national title and completely change systems <laughs> right yeah I didn't understand that either uh, just, so just like you said that was in the past ten years right so that was a flip flop so then we was gonna spread and then we tried to go back trying to run the the, the traditional idea that the past Auburn teams in the yeah. 90s and 80s were trying to run. I mean, we didn't have the personnel for that either. So that's why well, they end up falling flat on their face going um, three and nine. And going back to your, going back to the Tony Franklin point, it, in that five and seven years, he had the quarterback to run the offense mm-hmm. in Chris Hart, but he didn't have the other instruments to go with that. You had a young Darvin Adams on that squad. Right. You had a young – Red shirt freshman in Emory Blake on that squad that didn't really come together until that next year. And Cody you Burns. know, Cody Burns. And Cody Burns was a, 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 a freshman on that team. So, I mm-hmm. mean, you got you had so many different pegs to go with that that could have worked, but again, like you said, with the Tommy Tuberville wanting to be a CEO. And wanting his hand in all the jars, you wasn't gonna get that. So, yeah, I can recall that that year I was co- I was still I was coaching high school football and I went to their coaching clinic and Franklin was there and I remember Tuberville speaking and somebody asked him, you know, hey, you guys are traditionally have great running backs and and you run it a lot. What how is that gonna mess with Franklin's system? And I remember Tuberville saying, oh, we're Auburn, we're going to run the football. We'll just 
we'll just run it out of the shotgun. Well, if you've ever studied the Tony Franklin system, I, I've worked with Hoover since I've been doing this recruiting stuff. Hoover's run that system for the last 15 years, and, and Hoover's been basically the best high school football program in the country for a while. And if you if you look at it, the way they teach that system, the run game, a lot of the run game is <coughs> short passes, for instance, swing passes to the running back. That's their version of a tall sweep. And um, one second. And, and basically, it's, it's, it's just a that they tried to run it, and it's like a square peg in a round hole. I mean, you can't line up in the shotgun and be a spread team and do funny fucking system, and at the same time keep smash mouth SEC football. I mean, the traditional Cadillac Williams and all, all that kind of thing. It's not, you know, those two things don't marry each other. It's just you do one or the other. And I think Coverville didn't, I don't understand how he didn't see it, but it obviously didn't work. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to take a quick station break, and we'll be right back. From Chi-Town to the Ville, Nap down to the Natty, Hype is where it's at for music and news. From hip-hop to Hollywood. Attention listeners. Attention listeners. Log on to thehypemagazine.com for the hottest hip-hop and urban magazine you've ever seen. It's the 411 on the world of entertainment, new releases, and, and more. more. Just log on to thehypemagazine.com. In stores now at 7-Eleven, Kmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, Marsh, Chicken Say, as well as all mobile devices. Hype, how you perceive everything. Welcome back to the Live by Terrence Show. I am T-Rex, and we are here with Jermaine, and we have Scott Smith from Streetlight Recruiting on the line. Uh, we were basically just talking about college football. Um, I want to ask you about this. Uh, I know we, uh, we briefly mentioned about uh, Mississippi State barely getting past Kentucky, but it, I, this could be one of their signature wins, just like when, when Auburn uh, played them back in their national championship season. So how do you feel about Mississippi State holding off Kentucky, uh, a strong Kentucky team this year, 45-31, Led by Prescott's three touchdowns. Yeah, I'll, I'll just be blunt with you. I, similar, I, I wasn't. I wasn't on the Ole Miss bandwagon. I'm not on the Mississippi State bandwagon. Like, here's my thing. I'm not. People have been thinking I, I hate on them and that kind of deal. I, I believe Mississippi State is the number is top ten team, somewhere between ten and fifteen. I think if they, you know, it basically if they play, there's there's ten teams in the country if they played on a neutral field. I believe they would lose. The only reason they're ranked number one. One is that the SEC logo, which has been well earned. I mean, Alabama earned it, Auburn's earned it, uh, Florida, you know, you, you name it. Mississippi State hadn't been part of that. Uh, just point blank, they have not been part of that. Uh, they have not won a game on the road against a good opponent. Kentucky is – people can say Kentucky's improved. I'm not buying it. Uh, Kentucky, some guy that I, I, I've never even heard of through for 390 yards against Mississippi State Saturday. Um, I just personally believe they're going to go on the road, take for instance at Alabama. I think Alabama will hammer them because on, on the road, if you're truly one of those playoff teams, you shouldn't – I'm not saying you have to win every game, but if you're on the road and you're truly a top-four team, you will not get blown out. Like, you know, for instance, Notre Dame went to Florida State. Notre Dame was competitive. I, I don't believe Mississippi State will be competitive at Alabama. Now, I could be wrong, but I'm going I'm to go on the record now and tell you I, I think they're a, uh, a solid team. They're not a playoff team. Uh, I, I would agree with you, and I'm also not quite as convinced about Mississippi State as I am about Alabama and Auburn, but I'm more sold on Mississippi State than I am on Ole Miss, simply because they do have the Dax Prescott factor. Not only do they have the Dax Prescott factor, they also have the human bowling ball who ran wild yesterday, and I just think that 
in looking at this team, they go to they got um, Arkansas at home this weekend. I think that they can they can show a lot of naysayers and prove a lot of people wrong against a good Arkansas team. Maybe it's not as strong uh, Arkansas team at an O and four in, in the conference, but that's that could be a great litmus test for the rest of the season. I, I, I think that I think they should. To me, I think they should take anything. They're at home, so we, I think we've established that. Mississippi State, no Miss, they're good teams, and when they're at home, they can beat in Alabama. They can beat in Auburn, that's, and that's very good. That means they're taking a step as a program, and my hats off to them. But. But when they when they when I get on the bandwagon is when they show me they can win on the road and, and I'll be the first to tell you a few years ago in Auburn when Cam Newton when they won a national title I was late to get on the bandwagon and I'll tell you why your team if you take away Cam Newton was was very average I mean you did not have elite talent but Cam Newton and that shows you how much quarterback matters Jack Prescott is a guy that's obviously he's terrific and that system is fits him to a T just like Cam Newton fit at all. I said the same thing with them. They're secondary, slow as molasses. Their wide receivers can't separate. Uh, I guess we're going to find out how good Dak is like we did Cam. Hey, Cam Cam ended up being Superman because he took an average group into the national title. We'll see if Dak can do it. I think I'm sold on Mississippi State more than Ole Miss, too, because of Dak Prescott over Bo Wallace. So I agree with you there. And, uh, you know, the other point, and to your point, to what you say, they do have to go to Alabama. They do make that short 80-mile trip to Tuscaloosa. I think that game can be one of two ways. If they come out and play the way they play at home and the way they played early against Kentucky, they'll win that game handily. But if they come out and they play around, they're going to get hurt. They're going to get hurt bad. I agree. I, I think I, I try to look at matchups, and I kind of think that might be a bad matchup for Mississippi State. And the reason being is that their strength is is the run game, and then Prescott's the, the pass off the run game, similar to Tebow when he was in Florida. Well, against Alabama, what their strength is is power running right at them, and that mm-hmm. Prescott, you know, he's he's not he's not a, one of these Oregon Marcus Mariota sideline to sideline guys. He's more of a bulldozer. I don't think that is going to work great against Alabama, but the biggest mismatch. It's going to be Amari Cooper against their secondary. I mean, oh, I totally agree. They, I mean, that's totally. going to be bad. I mean, in the way Blake Sims is playing lights out, and the way Amari Cooper played last last night, oh boy, I I, I can see him catching three hundred yards all over Mississippi oh, State. Hey, absolutely. Uh, I I had a conversation last night with a guy that he told me he was he's a big Mississippi State fan, and he said, "Well, I believe we're better than Florida State." And I said. I said, well, I'll tell you like this. If you play them on neutral field, I saw Jameis Winston go 15 of 16 in the second half against Notre Dame when the game was on the line. And I said, I've seen your secondary give up 390 yards passing to Kentucky and 400 to UAB. All right, if Jameis Winston played against that secondary, it, it would, he would throw for like 650 yards. And, and I'm not – I'm dead serious about that. Like, he would he would look like some PlayStation game, like some PlayStation game. And on that, and on that, Jameis would only throw to two receivers also, Nick O'Leary and, and Rashad Green. So, I mean – <laughs> that's right. I mean, I, no running they, game. I mean, they probably run for like ten yards, like they did last week, and you know, throw for about six hundred. You know, and but it'll be a balanced yeah. game to everybody. You know, six hundred yard, six hundred yards passing, and ten yards running. You know, that's balanced. 
Oh yeah, well, and, and give Mississippi State. You don't even have to run. I mean, that, that's what I, I think. I think Mississippi State has a good front seven. I think they have on offense. I think they have a good offensive line and a good run game. But I think there's to be ranked number one, they're severely flawed. And people people keep talking about Florida State's flawed. I don't understand how you you can look at Florida State and look at Mississippi State and think that Florida State has more flaws. Because I'll go ahead and tell you. Florida State has a lot better athletes running around at the skill positions than Mississippi State. I kid you not, Mississippi State has a wide receiver that runs about what I do in the 40, and I'm 33 years old and fat. So <laughs> I don't think Mississippi State, you know, athlete for athlete, good night. I get Dan Mullen's doing a great job. Jack Prescott might deserve the house. But that, if that's the best team in the country, um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I would be shocked. You know, I would actually venture to even say that Mississippi State is probably the most disappointing undefeated number one teams I've seen in a while. You know, they come from under the radar kind of like Oklahoma did in the 99 year when they won their national championship. I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't see the, the glamour of, of uh, exactly. I don't. I don't see the glamour. I don't see the. I don't see that name being a an elite team, an elite well, power. They just, just, just look at their history. They've never won a conference title. If I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not. I'm not sitting here looking at Google, but I'm just going on on, a, on an assumption. They've never won a conference title, and, and between them and Ole Miss, 225 years of football, they've got one national title between them. <laughs> so. You know, I'm not buying that this program is, you know, is 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 ready to be number one. And, to, and I'll tell you just point blank, bottom line, I've said it all year and I have no problem saying it. Whoever decided that Mississippi State should overtake Florida State for number one, when Florida State returned the Heisman Trophy winning Jameis Winston, he has not missed any, he missed the Clemson game, but he, he's still on the field. In other words, that their team is led by the best player in the country. They have not lost. After beating the SEC streak, beating Auburn, that kind of deal, they had not lost in two years. How, how do they – you know, to me, they're the heavyweight champ. Until somebody beats them on the field, I don't care how bad they are, until somebody beats them on the field, um, they should be number one. I don't understand who voted Mississippi State number one. I don't get it. Well, that, gives, that kind of gives a testament to the respect that Auburn has because it took that game – for Mississippi State to leapfrog Florida State to become the number one team, so that that goes to show that that you know by Mississippi State being Auburn, they looked at that as a uh, a power game for Mississippi State to overtake Florida State. When Florida State, you know, they they struggled here and there in some of their games, and then of course you know the outcome of the Notre Dame game. So that's probably the reason why they well, are. Well, I, I do agree with you, Terrence. Uh, Auburn deserves the credit. They've had a heck. They've had a, a very good. They're a very good program. But if you kind of take a step back and look at it, Kansas State controls the game with Auburn as well. That they, right. they didn't. That they didn't get up twenty-one nothing like Mississippi State did. But they stopped your run better. They stopped your run better than Mississippi State did. Um, it, it, to oh, me, yeah. here, here's the deal. Mississippi State and Ole Miss both beat Alabama and Auburn at home. That's respectable. I I, I tip my hat. But it, that that shouldn't take you from number. 18 to number one, you won a home game. You held serve. And Kennedy State would say you held serve. Go on the road, break somebody's serve, a good team. You know, don't, how do you jump from 18 to one I, I, or wherever they were? I don't I don't understand. I, never, I get Auburn's a good team, but 
if Kansas State, if you, if you move Mississippi State to number one because they beat Auburn, they should have jumped Kansas State into the top seven or eight. They didn't do that. I, I don't I don't get how the, uh, you know, Mississippi State's benefiting, you know, from other SEC teams winning a national title over the last few years. That's what I believe. You know, speaking of, the K, uh, speaking of K-State, that K-State win for Auburn is looming very, very big in terms of, of the quality of win that they had because they shut out Texas yesterday. I mean, albeit Texas is not as great as they've been in the last few years, but you shut out Texas. You're right, and, and the thing is, that was an improvement Texas team. Uh, Charlie Strong had compared to what they had been, what they played the first game of the year. That their arrow was pointing up. They were getting better. Swoops was playing better at quarterback. Their front seven is legit. I mean, nobody knows it because Texas is now obviously mm-hmm. nowhere near the top twenty-five this year. But their front seven is as good as you know just about anybody out there. I mean, they they just don't have much help anywhere else. But that you know that is impressive. Kansas State took care of business, and that's that's one thing about Bill Snyder's teams. They do what they're supposed to do. They beat the teams they're supposed to beat. I would agree. I would definitely agree. And I and I actually watched that game from from the first whistle to the last, and not once did I see that Texas squad quit. Not once. Not once did I see a head drop. Not once did I see did I see any kind of infighting or anything of that nature. This is a Texas team that's on the rise, and next year. I, I be I've been trying to say next year they probably won't win the win the Big Twelve, but they're gonna win ten they're gonna win eight nine maybe ten games next year. Yeah, and then once they get a, a once they solidify their quarterback situation, because I'm still not a huge believer in swoops. Um, you know, basically I think Texas is like you know a few years ago when Mike Shula was coached Alabama, it wasn't a matter of if Alabama was gonna be bad. It was just a matter of when. Same thing with Texas. You know, Texas a and was the hot commodity. They were they were the sexy thing, and the recruits were committing to them. But when Texas A&M got blitzed the last three weeks, all of a sudden Texas, Texas picked up in recruiting. But because Texas is always going to be there. You know, Texas is – they are the – A&M is their little sister. They may not want to hear it, but that's just all there is to it. And mm-hmm. Texas will be fine because they, they care about football, and I respect that. They, they It really matters there. They invest, and they're going to be back. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, win. Now, I, w- I want to turn our heads toward the NFL, and <laughs> we are a unanimous Chicago Bears fan, and we caught a beat down today <laughs> in the hands of Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, 51-23. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because only I had, um, he had, he had an interception, uh, he had an OK game, Based on that, so you really can't, we can't really can't blame color this week on on the outcome. But uh, what's your take on, on on the game? Well, you know, normally I can blame Cutler, but going into this game, I kind of knew what to expect. It, it was it wasn't <laughs> going to matter what our offense did. Listen, uh, now I'm one of these people that I've always been a. I believe Tom Brady's better than Peyton Manning, and the reason I do, the reason I believe that, even when Peyton Manning's breaking records, is in the fourth quarter, if my team's down seven points. And I got to pick a quarterback to take me 80 yards with my life on the line. I want Tom Brady. Uh, uh, behind Joe Montana in my lifetime, that man is that man. Hey, listen, that man in the clutch, he's clutch. Uh, so Tom Brady against our against the Chicago Bears secondary, like that's why we talked about matchups a while ago. That right there is like uh, 
that's just not even fair. That's like professionals against amateurs. Um, that gives you no chance to win right there. I mean, it didn't matter what Jake Cutler did. It didn't matter what anybody did. Tom Brady was going to blitz our secondary. It was just a matter of whenever they kicked the football off, that was when our shot of winning went out the door. <laughs> so my question is to you, did you see the Lamar Houston celebration? I didn't. I didn't see it yet. <laughs> I, I should have clo- I should have went through the TV and clotheslined him. I mean, you <laughs> sacked a rookie in Jimmy Garoppolo, who is an Illinois kid, by the way, from Eastern Illinois. Broke all the yeah. How do you celebrate a sack when you're down 51 to 16 at that point in time? Well, you know what? I totally agree. That's ridiculous. That comes from uh, – just ask yourself, would that ever happen – for instance, with New England, with, with some with somewhere that winning is the whole goal, would that ever happen if, if they were down 51-16 with any player on their roster? I can tell you this, it only happened once, and then he would be bagging groceries the next day because he would be released. Um, you know, that shows you uh, that shows you guys that are basically he's only thinking about himself. Sure, it was an individual highlight, but the goal is to win. I don't care about how much money you're making. I don't care about how many endorsements you got. If your goal is not winning, then you're not accomplishing what you're getting paid to do. Yeah, and basically, um, there's a but the way it looked like he might have torn his ACL. <laughs> yeah, celebrating. This sounds double checking. You tear your ACL. All right, that that. Oh man, oh man, that's, that's smart. That, that's funny. That's that's like that Grammatica a few years ago for the Arizona Cardinals, the kicker, that kicked the field goal to win it, and then he tore his ACL jumping around. You know, and that's not that. That'll be the second discount double check torn ACL. I mean, uh, the guy from the Lions yeah. actually did that a couple, couple of weeks ago. You sack, you sack, you sack Aaron Rodgers, and then you do a discount double check and you tear your ACL. Real <laughs> smart. Yeah, maybe with some players, it seems like they don't. They, sometimes it seems like there's certain guys that they don't think a whole lot of. It's just it, it never never ceases to amaze me some of the things specifically professional players do at ridiculous moments. Now, how do you feel about the uh, early morning NFL game between the Falcons and Lions, where the Falcons was up twenty one zero the first half and they end up losing in twenty two to twenty one? <laughs> you know, uh, one thing uh, about one thing about Atlanta is like. Uh, Atlanta in all sports, in all sports, and I'm not a Braves fan, I'm not a Falcons fan, I'm, I definitely ain't a Hawks fan. But in all sports, Atlanta teams have a they have a way of uh, of kind of uh, their colors shining through as a as a uh, way of choking. Like even when the Braves were good, they always found a way to choke. The Falcons they have one of they probably have the most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL and Matt Ryan. They have great wide receivers, yet they continue to they disappoint me, and I'm not even a Falcons fan. Like they, I, I, I guess it's it's just got something to do with that Falcons helmet and that that, that logo or something because, uh, you know, we've seen teams come up short over and over and over and and today is a perfect it's a microcosm of the Atlanta Falcons franchise. Yes, exactly. But let me ask you this: Would you take Matt Ryan over Jay Cutler? <laughs> listen, here, listen here. I I would take. I would take Rex Ryan over Jay Cutler at quarterback. <laughs> um, listen, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is so much better than Jay Cutler. I can't even 
begin to describe. See, again, people people that don't re- like I, I personally believe, and, and I could be wrong, but I, I personally believe that interceptions and, and, and interceptions leadership are those are two very important attributes to go along with accuracy and that kind of deal at, at quarterback. Well, Jake Cutler is he basically his decision making, both as a leader and throwing the football, hitting the other team in the chest with it, are horrible. No, no, no disputing. He's one of the worst in the NFL at both as a quarterback, and, and yet, yet people still continue to you know you'll see him get ranked in the mid tier, like number eighteen quarterback in the NFL, Jake Cutler. If he puts it together, he's got the mm-hmm. talent. Guess what? He don't. He, he, this guy is no better than a tw- between 25th and 30th quarterback in the NFL. Yet, you know what his base salary is this year for the, the, us Chicago Bears? $22 million. I think yes. the new deal starts on next year. Yes, he's this year's highest paid quarterback. Uh, yeah. I, was talk to, I was talking to my girlfriend about it this morning, about Jay Cutler. And how the announcers were saying, well, you know, he got all these tools um, to take it to the next level. I'm like, dude, Cutler been in the league in over 10 years now. And whatever potential he has is steadily going downwards every year. So whatever this next level that everybody keep talking about that Jay Cutler's going to go on, that, that door is, is almost closed. It's not already closed and the, the knobs torn off with the key gone <laughs> with it. I, I, I totally I'm starting starting to slowly jump on that bandwagon because I actually thought that Jay Cutler would actually right the ship this year. You know, you had a healthy Alshon Jeffrey. You had a healthy Brandon Marshall. You got a nice tight end in Martellus Bennett. And you got Matt Forte, who you don't even use. You don't even give the ball to. So in that regard, I'm starting to jump off that bandwagon. I'm Really starting to jump off that To me, here's I think if you go back in history, two guys in my lifetime that Jay Cutler, as far as his how he, how people look to him, uh, two people that he kind of fits that the same persona. If you remember Jake Plummer and Jeff George, and the oh. two totally different quarterbacks. Jeff George had to be strong arm like Cutler, and Jake Cutler, Jake, Jake, Plummer, Jake Plummer was very mobile and all that. Both those guys, as rookies and second year, third year, fourth year, they showed. They'd show potential, and people would say, oh, they got all the tools. Well, guess what? When they were 30, 31, 32, they were still throwing the ball to the other team. They were still coming up short and disappointing people. And it basically took them retiring before people quit saying they have all the talent. No, listen, you're only as talented as your production. I had that I had this argument with a guy the other day about Wes Welker. He said he's five foot nine. He's 180 pounds. He only runs a 4740. You're as good as your production, all right. If if you're all pro, you're great. You have you have talent. If you're mm-hmm. if you don't statistically produce, I don't want to. You don't have talent. Talent, talent. Basically, my college coach when I played ball in college, my college coach always said, he said, son, don't ever let anybody tell you you have potential. He said, because potential means you hadn't done nothing. <laughs> and, and and I believe that about Cutler. Why do people continue to think mm-hmm. he's I would have let him go. I would. I would not have given him a contract, any contract, much less twenty points a million a year. You know, and, and and to your point, you know, since we're talking about quarterbacks who are quote unquote bust, I think if you look at a guy like a Joey Harrington, who didn't have anything around him at Detroit, 
And he was blamed for so much at Detroit. I think that if he would have been in this system, I think he'd thrive in this system. In this system. Simply because Mark Treshman is a quarterback's coach. He's an offensive genius. We've so I've seen well, I've seen it in the CFL when he won the two Grey Cups back to back. And I see what he can do with twelve men. I see what he can do with eleven men. With I agree. Man, I think Mark Christian is a, he, he is a very good coach. He's a very good offensive coordinator. I totally agree with your assessment. With that being said, do you think that if he found the right quarterback and the right defensive coordinator to complement him, do you think that this team could be that next level top tier NFC ball club? I think my thing on Christmas is this. I believe he is an excellent coach. I'm not sure Chicago's the right fit. If you look, I mean, just the, just the Windy City, the attitude, the, the you know, physical grunt work, you know, just a blue-collar town. Tristan's more of the analytical. It, I would say San Francisco, you know, St. Louis. He, you, have, you fit the – basically it's good for your head coach to fit the persona of, of where you're at. And, and history has shown that that's, a, that, that's a, you know, a great thing. Take, for instance – Mike Marks, he was good in St. Louis. They had their own turf, and that's a that's a supposedly high IQ, laid back town, that kind of deal. I mean, it fit fit what they were doing. I'm not I'm not sold that Tristan's a great city in Chicago, but I do think everything you just said is 100 percent correct. I think his system is so good in a salary cap league where 20 million dollar quarterbacks hurt what you can put right. on the defensive side of the ball. His system's good enough. All he needs to do is find a quarterback that fits it decent. His X and O's will boost that quarterback to a level that he probably, you know, may not get, may not normally get to. And that's one reason I'm, I'm telling you, and it may sound like a homer as a Notre Dame fan, I think Clawson will be better than Cutler. And, the re- and you may be pointing out Harrington not having anything about Detroit. If you go back and review when Jimmy Clawson started for the Panthers, he got to start, I think it was nine games in rookie year, all right? When he started, I remember watching a Thursday night game. It was the second start he made, I believe. D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, two of his main offensive weapons, were both out. They were starting Goodson from Texas A&M, which basically he's, the guy backed up Javorski Lane in college. You had a backup college running back starting at tailback for the Panthers. You had a, a tight end that was like number 89. It was a blocking guy. Uh, he wasn't a receiving tight end. The wide receiver, Steve Smith, was hurt. He had no Steve Smith. Two wide receivers were David Gaddis, who from yeah. Baylor run about a four five forty, but he he looked like the guy in the replacements that could outrun everybody and couldn't catch a cold. David <laughs> Gaddis is your go to guy. Like Jimmy Clausen faced the Pittsburgh Steelers and Dick LeBeau with that, and, and people people say, well, he was awful. Good Lord, man! I don't know if Joe Montana would have succeeded with the, you know with no D'Angelo Williams, no Steve Smith, no Jonathan Stewart, uh, no receiving tight end. How are you supposed to succeed with that? I would definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, and to your point, you know, where are these guys playing at now? They're they're not in any league as of right now. I know Javorski Lane is like, he's like working in Dallas or somewhere like that. And um, and uh, Jimmy Clausen is uh, sitting behind Jay Cutler, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was the one that they yeah, gave up the right? 
Yeah, he, he's behind Cutler, and yeah, and, and they give up. I thought he looked really good in the preseason. Um, I, be, I mean, like I said, now I, I'm, I'm not saying he would be Tom Brady because he wouldn't be. I believe if he started, we could win games because the ba- he wouldn't turn the ball over. Jimmy Clausen's accurate and smart. He wouldn't. Now, not, he wouldn't. He, he wouldn't be great down the field because he don't have a bazooka for an arm. But with that team and those weapons, if you just don't turn the ball over, we got a chance. And I think Clausen could do that. Now, what I had a dream scenario to pop in my mind uh, with all the talks about Rex Ryan probably getting let go from the Jets. How how would you feel if Rex Ryan came on to the Bears as the defensive coordinator? I'd rather have Rob. I'd love it. <laughs> You really have Rob? Yeah, I'd rather have Rob than, than Rex. Oh, man. Why is that? <laughs> well, I, think, I think Rex has more of the pedigree mm-hmm. than than Rob does. Not to say anything to slight, slight Coach Ryan, but I like Rob's system a lot better than I do Rex's system because if you look at what he's done at with the Jets, I mean, what has he done? You know, well, if you look at at Rob, I'm sorry, yeah, Rob Ron, mm-hmm. and you look at his pedigree, what he did at what he did in New Orleans, and what he's doing right now at at Dallas. I mean, I think that he's got the better potential of being that high paying, high paid coach than I do a Rob Ron, a Rich Ron. I'm sorry. I would honestly, I would take either one of them, and I'll tell you why I like both of them. And, and uh, very similar, Brian Van Gorder, this now Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, he he came from he came from the Jets last year. He brought Rex Ryan's blitzing scheme to Notre Dame. I love I love the blitz. I know when our Bears teams had great defenses, uh, not the '85 Bears, but in the in the 2000s when they were running the cover two or a Levy Smith, people liked that. I personally, I mean, that's good. And I know Tampa Bay's defense and the Bears' defense, they're all great. I like systems like the 85 Bears. I like systems that blitz. Listen, I don't want to see the other team get 12 and 13 play drives. If you're going to score, you're either going to score or you're going to punt, and one of them are going to happen fast. That's what I like about Rex, about Rob, about, like I said, Van Gorder at Notre Dame now. We're bringing people, we're blitzing people to death. And I love it. I mean, even if Jameis Winston goes 15 to 16 in the second half, I can guarantee you this. He was under pressure. Um, I, I really like going after. I like being the aggressor. So that's why I, hey, both of them. You can. Why don't we hire them as co-defensive coordinators and see how good they are together? Well, here's here, here's my thing. You know, when Van Gorder was at Auburn, you didn't see any of that at Auburn, and that kind of bothered me. You know, by not seeing that because I just it was just awful the way that they played both offensively and defensively. You know, then you heard a lot of complaining, you know, a lot of whining, a lot of, you know. Here's here's the question. Here's the question, though. How much of that had to do with Tuberville, CEO, this is my program, I want you to do it under my, you know, style type deal? This is Chizik's last year. He was only there one year. Oh, Chizik's last year. I thought that was under Tuberville. I apologize. All right, so, I mean, with that being said, what do you think now? <laughs> like, you heard more complaining out of out of Van Gorder in that regards 
because he didn't have the big players that he wanted. He didn't have this. He didn't have that. On and on and on. Wham, wham, wham. You know, if you have an attack-minded defense, then it shouldn't matter what you have on the field, what you have in your coach. I think going to the NFL as a linebacker coach helped him because it looks like to me, I agree with you, I, I I saw his scheme at Georgia, I saw it at Auburn, when we hired him and we were making the transition from a 3-4, which I thought we had recruited to fit, to the 4-3, I didn't like the hire. I'm just going to be honest. I said, good night, man. This is going to be bad. I have been highly impressed. He's also, his switching that 4-3 turned some of the guys that were not good players in the 3-4 into immediate good. We had guys that were on the field against Florida State that never could play when we played 3-4. And now all of a sudden they fit the scheme and they look they look really good. So, I think the best thing I've heard about Van Gorder, and I think this kind of made me really get on his bandwagon, is he said the other day, he was talking, he said, a lot of people told me when I came to Notre Dame that the academic standards were going to, that they handcuffed Notre Dame. He said exactly what I always have believed. He said, when I, he said right now we're half a year into my first year as defensive coordinator. He said, I have implemented basically my entire playbook that normally, he said, other programs I've been in couldn't even get a quarter of it because these kids are, they're, they're basically a higher level. They can take in more knowledge and execute it better than, you know, some programs that don't take higher academic guys. I've always felt like that that was an advantage, you know, that Notre Dame could recruit kids that, you know, yeah, they, they basically they could take in 100-page playbooks, whereas, you know, like, for instance, me, Hey, I, I could take him like a five-page playbook when I was coming out of high school. Um, I think Van Gorder, when he said that the other day, I was like, you know what, this guy, he gets it. And I didn't like him before. I used to joke about how he looked like a porn star at Auburn. He had a porn porn stash. He just always looked confused. I think something changed. Maybe Rich Ryan helped him. Oh, yeah, most most definitely. And, uh, Scott, I just wanted to say thank you for being on the show tonight. Uh, is there any uh, acknowledgments or shout-outs you'd like to give? I would like to give a shout-out to a guy we talked about last week, uh, a recruit that I work with at Streetlight Recruits, um, Cameron Matthews from Fort, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, just found out last week uh, Cam had been playing playing with a, a, a little bit of a leg injury they thought was a, a sprain of some type. It turned out he played for the past five weeks. He played with a fractured fibula. Now, I don't know if anybody out there has ever fractured their fibula, but let me tell you what, you have to be a tough SOB to play football with a fractured fibula. So, and, and he played again Friday night after the doctor said he couldn't believe he had already played with it, he could keep going. So I want to give a shout-out to that tough Texan 2016 recruit from Trinity Valley uh, High School. That That is a, uh, that's a great, that's tough to play through that. I don't know if I could do it, so he deserves a shout-out. Yeah, there's one person I want to shout-out to also, um, one of your guys, Amir Abdullah, uh, the way that he played yesterday in that Nebraska game. Again, like we said, quiet Nebraska team, 6-1. and one. He ran for 225 yards yesterday. You know, congratulations to you on that. I know that he was one of your guys also, so. Yeah, he is. Every every time I see Amir doing great on TV, I, the first thing I think about is he couldn't happen to a better human being. He's literally one of the best human beings I've ever met, and he deserves every bit of success he's getting because he's he worked his tail off. Uh, no doubt. Definitely want to give a salute to him. But you can find Scott Smith online, Streetlight Recruiting. Um, he's on every Sunday. We'll be back on next 
Sunday at 6 p.m. to do more football talks. And Skies, I want to say thank you very much, and, and I hope you have a good night. Yes, sir. Thank you all for having me, and I, I enjoy it. Have a good one. All right, you too. Thank you. Coming up in just a few moments, we're going to have DJ Paul from the Mafia 6. He will be checking in with us momentarily. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to have Foxy 105, DJ Double O Key. He's going to be joining us as well. Uh, we're going to be doing our music segment then. Uh, but I, I love talking football. And Jermaine and Scott, they are very knowledgeable. And, you know, I just at times I let them, you know, keep the conversation going because I, I learn a lot from these guys uh, talking football and everything. I, I played one year. So that one year, and, and, and but I'm just been a spectator ever since. Compared to these guys that actually you know played through high school and and uh, Scott went through college and playing now he's a recruiter. So there's a lot of a lot of sports knowledge um, on our show here. So it's, it's good. Uh, we're always welcome to take callers. Uh, we do have calls that come on the switchboard that that listens. But uh, next Sunday we're gonna be back on the air at 6 p.m. and we'll be talking more. SEC football, college football, NFL, high school, just whatever comes to our mind dealing with football. Football is such a, a great thing down here in the South area. It's, it's almost like a religion with, within itself. itself. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Uh, but, you know, li- looking forward to the to the music aspect of the show now. I'm really excited to hear from DJ Paul. I want to see what what new he's got, you know, in terms of his music, what he's doing in terms of his personal life, you know, life after hustle and flow. Exactly, exactly. And um, while we're waiting on him to call into the studio, we will take a quick break. And we want to check out a track from Cotton Sting. Uh, Cotton Sting. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. He messed it up. Take two. Take, hey, you know what my problem is? Sometimes I combine words together. Because his name is Cotton State King, so yeah. I took the S T and the and the I N G. So in other words, you went. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my little speech impediment that I have sometimes. <laughs> I like to combine the first letters of one word with the last. <laughs> you hear him? So, I mean, C S K. If you listening, uh, I know we I, I know we talked over the weekend on on social media, so I apologize for. Uh, that mishap there, but we're going well, to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Cotton State King featuring Stuart Rock. This is called Torture Rack. CSK. One rack. Stuart Rock. Triad. Money on the floor. Checking price tag. Selling plenty dough. Say you buy hey, what they do that at? Hey. Quit flexing them. Say you buy it. Get money on the flow. Spending money. Hey, why this all you flexing them? Turn up. You saving money and won't you throw a rack? I blow it. You blowing money and won't you throw a stack? I blow it. I touch a rack. I blow it. I touch a rack. Let them dollars hit the flow. 
like a 50 on Dior. I be getting blowed, sipping on that lean. Rolling with my n***s, yeah, we be very clean. Wow, coming downtown, yeah, buy a couple rounds, eight ball. And you know the boy scooping by the pound. Money make them hoes drown, even make them clown. So much money on the flow, it's kind of slippery now. Get a cautious sign, man, so much money on the flow. Call these hoes, gonna break they neck to get to this dope. Saving money, won't you throw a rack? I'm blowing. You blowing money, won't you throw a stack? I'm blowing. I put your rack. I'm blowing. I put your rack. Hey, hey, I show you how to burn a stack. One rack, two rack, three rack, four. One hundred, two hundred, spilling on the floor. I'm blowing. I put your rack. I'm blowing. Following him and his group for many, many years, and he's definitely still doing things now with the Mafia Six. Uh, he's taking a, a break today from the Shock Fest tour to call in on the Live by Terrence show. We're going to welcome DJ Paul to the show tonight. How you doing tonight, sir? What up? What up, bro? 
Uh, nothing much. Uh, thank you for calling in. This is your third appearance of, of the Live by Terrence show. So uh, very grateful for you to take time from your busy schedule to call into the show tonight. Man, anytime, anytime. If the phone mess up, just let me know and uh, just let me know the repeater or whatever because we on the highway as we speak and damn phone, I got like one bar, but let's rock it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll rock with that one bar. Uh, understand that you're currently on the, on the Shop Fest tour with uh, Insane Clown Posse, and y'all gonna be um, doing the tour tomorrow in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. <coughs> yep, yep. We headed to Milwaukee right now. About to pull up on it, hit a strip club or something. Hey, I got an off day. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That, that's what's up there. So uh, how it is? Uh, how how's the tour going for you so far? Man, it's crazy, man. It's it's the craziest tour I ever been on. I, you know, I've been touring for many, many years now, man. And uh, we've been on one, two, three, four, three for the three tours this year for the group, and four for me because I did a separate college tour outside of that. And that'll start back up uh, in November, the first weekend in November, but. This is my fourth tour this year, and, uh, man, this one is crazy, man, because the Juggalo fans in St. Clown Posse's followers, they call them the Juggalos, and, man, it's the craziest, it's the craziest crowd ever, man. Now, how yeah, did this kids, yeah, kids, I'm sorry, I mean, because I was just going to describe, you know, this, you okay. just got a room full of kids drunk and high with clown makeup on. So that'll tell you. right there alone to tell you what I'm going through right now. This it's fun as hell. So so this this, this with the with the fan base that y'all have, this pretty perfect this pretty much perfect for this time of the year with Halloween coming up. And I know y'all gonna be closing out in Detroit where that is the home of ICP. So I, I can't I can't only imagine how, how that energy is gonna be when y'all uh perform there. Yeah well what's gonna make it so crazy is that's that's an event called Hollow Wicked that they do every year, and it's the 20th anniversary of Hollow Wicked. So, yeah, that show going to be nuts. It's, it's already sold out. It's been sold out for a couple of months now, and it's crazy. Okay. <laughs> that's what's up. Now, but what did you prefer to do? You, you love going on tour, or do you love working, in, working from the studio? Well, I like both. That's why I do both. So uh, when I'm on the road, we got a portable studio that we set up in the hotel room or sometime on the tour bus. But uh, in this case, in the hotel rooms, we set up, you know, on some all days and make songs and shoot videos Mm -hmm. and uh, keep it, you know, keep it rolling. Okay. uh, One of the the questions that I have for you is... um, I was reading a couple things a couple days ago where you actually have a casket or your brother's casket or something um, on the road with us. Yeah, sorry. I just gave it away. I just gave it away in Memphis, but uh, to one of my neighbor's kids. But um, but yeah, we was we was so to stay in the family. But uh, well, yeah, we was carrying a casket that we made. That uh, was supposed to uh, represent Lord Infamous being on the tour with us. And it had his name airbrushed on it and painted and all that. And sometimes we had a guy that put on a hoodie 
and skeleton gloves, and uh, he put on a Lord Infamous face, and he would we would lift the casket open, and he would come up out of it. Man, people would almost faint when they see it. <laughs> <laughs> that um, is awesome, man. I mean, I wish I could see that. You know, especially you know me being a big Three Six Mafia fan. Uh, and actually, actually been a bigger fan after Hustle and Flow and seeing you on, on the show. Uh, uh-huh. So uh, tell me, are you, you and uh, Sugarfoot still together or y'all? Well, no, no, no. That was, that was Big Trees. That was with Sugarfoot. That was Big Trees, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they not they not together no more. Not she left him after the TV show. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, she got she got she got famous and she left there. <laughs> oh, fame went to her head. Wow. Uh, now I know you you have been in the business for many years, and uh, not only do you do music, you also have barbecue sauce. How is that business going for you? Man, it's going good, man. I'm gonna turn it up more next year, and when I, you know, I probably get a little free from all the touring that we did this year. I had a chance to really focus on it, mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, it goes it goes good for me, man. We sell it online next year like crazy. Next year, I just want it on the tour. We sell it at the merch stand like crazy, but. Make sure I want to focus on getting it in some stores. I just got a contract to put it in the Memphis International Airport, so that'll be pretty good. That'll be actually great, to be honest. So uh, that's going to be my job next year to focus on getting it in stores more. And is that just the barbecue sauce itself, or is there more to it? More uh, to yeah, it than yeah, the we, sauce? yeah, yeah. It's way more. We got um, we got a barbecue sauce. We got a barbecue rub. We got an all-purpose seasoning, and we got a hot sauce that's dropping next year. Man, I, I think I'm on. Think I'm gonna order me a bottle, bottle or two. Yeah, you need to I'm do it, man. It's good so shit. I got to try something. <laughs> that's good. You'll you'll love it. You'll love it, man. Everybody everybody has to love it. Yeah, that de- we we definitely would need some because you know we we live, you know from the we you know we're in the south and you know the big thing that's going on right now is college football so we got the tailgate and everything going on, and it would be great to, to have some of that sauce and also personally invite you down to Auburn University one one day uh, to come kick it down here with the Auburn Tigers. Man, you know I think I was just there not too long ago. I need to check. I need to look and see because I'm on this uh, outside of the Shock Fest tour, like I was saying earlier. In between time, when I ain't touring with the Mafia, I do uh, this college tour called uh, DJ Paul Fireball Frat House Tour. And okay. I went to Auburn, but I was at a. Um, yeah, I did go to Auburn. But I can't remember the school that I was I was with. I did. Uh, I was at the one that you just said. What's the name of that school? Uh, you, uh, it's uh, Auburn University. I think I went there, man. I think I went there. I think I went there some uh, about a month 
a couple of months ago or whatever. But um but yeah, we got more dates coming up. Like we're gonna hit uh Lubbock, Texas, which I think is Texas Tech or, or something, I can't remember. I guess yeah. mixed up we do so many, but um but yeah, man, uh, um I think we got Athens, Georgia. But I think I hit I think I hit Auburn, man. I think I hit it, and I think I had a blast there too, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out and let it know. But yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to send out a, a Instagram or a, a, and a tweet and a Facebook now telling everybody to get that barbecue for their tailgates. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a good little, 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 little marketing move right there. I'm glad you remind me of that. Oh, yeah, no no problem. We'll be glad to promote it for you, too. Well, we always down there on, on campus um, doing the weekends for the games and, and also the after parties, clubs and bars. So, yeah, just yeah, just get with us, and we'll be glad to assist you with that. Uh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. man. Yeah, it's a... Um, just tell them uh, djpaulbbq.com, djpaulbbq.com. You can go there and order all of it. And I got videos, cooking videos and shit on, on DJ Paul BBQ TV on YouTube. So DJ Paul BBQ TV on YouTube. Well, yeah, now, man, you know, I'm from, I'm from the South too, man, so I already know how it is, man. We like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Now, with the success with your with, with your barbecue brand and everything, have you thought about doing any kind of cooking shows or or going on uh, on the Food Network and, and kind of pitch something to them? Since you you so embedded I, in that side of the business now. Well, I did one. I did a couple of cooking shows. One of them, one of them never came out. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was uh, me and Juicy. We did it. It never came out. It was funny as hell too. But it never came out because uh, um, I think it was uh, the, it was through VH1. VH1 uh, paid for it, but then they changed okay. their mind about this Food Network because Food Network got it so locked down. So I tried to shop myself to Food Network, but Food Network they was like, "We like him, but he's just too rough." <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was just like, I don't think they ain't ready for no grill mouth tattooed up crazy dude on on there, man. Because you know they 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 got a shit, man. They got rid of Paula Dean. Paula Dean was too gangster for him, so you already know what they're looking at. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was too gangster. Now I tell you, I tell you something. Paula Dean got her own channel. And as um, soon as we are tour, I'm going down there to film some shit for Paula Dean channel. She got her own channel now, so I'm going out there to film some shit for her because I'm good friends with her son, with mm-hmm. Bobby Dean. So uh, I'm going down there to film some stuff with Paula in the next month. Okay. Now, I know, like, you know, you know some rappers and entrepreneurs that have own restaurants, like you know Rick Ross owns Wing Stops and everything. Are, are you also in that business too, and owning restaurants, or maybe even starting your own um, chain of restaurants? Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna tell you a few minutes ago, actually, uh, when you asked me about the cooking show. Um, how I came up with the the barbecue uh, rub, which was the first product we brought out, is um, mm-hmm. in 2011 I was on a cooking show or TV show called uh, Famous Food on uh, 
VH1. And basically, it was me and Juicy competing against um, other celebrities to win a restaurant. Whoever did the best in a, uh, putting together the restaurant won uh, ownership into it. So I, I created the recipe uh, of the barbecue rub, and I made this uh, macaroni and cheese that I called DJ Paul's Memphis Mac and Cheese. And the L.A. Lakers came and ate it. You know, I got them to come out and eat it, and they loved it, and that's how I, I ended up winning the restaurant. So okay. uh, that was my restaurant, but it was only it was a restaurant called Lemon Basket. But it was only open like eight months. But it was in the heart of Beverly Hills on Sunset on Sunset Boulevard in California. Man, we had a blast with it, man. Um, uh, my man from uh, Girls Gone Wild, he came over there every few days with this Rolls Royce with about 20 chicks. And, man, anybody you could name, any celebrity you could name came over there and, and ate at the restaurant. But I think that's probably what ran us out of business because we were giving away so much free food. <laughs> 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 so many chicks, man. If you was a hot chicken, you came up in there, you got a free hot plate. So, oh. <laughs> I wasn't doing it for the money anyway. I was just doing it for the fun of it. Right. But the, the, you know, it, it was a fun time. And you know, the rest, we closed the doors on the restaurant. The restaurant was too high because of the location. It was twenty thousand dollars a month just for the rent. You know, not including the food and the workers. So, man, we had to shut the doors on that job. But it was fun while it lasted. It was basically, it was just a party. So other than you, that, I thought I'm thinking about doing. Uh, other than that, I'm thinking about doing a show, but just not now. My account, my, uh, my account won't let me do it now because he's like, I'm too busy. Restaurants are like babies. Like you gotta babysit them. You gotta be mm-hmm. be to have yourself uh, available to go work yourself. If right. uh, some pregnant or somebody don't show in uh, up for work and this and that, that, that ain't nothing I'm really gonna be doing. Uh, I don't depend on people enough to to uh, really be trusting that right now. So when I get a little older and I retire, and I let my I have my son on standby, I let him run it or some or some family members run it or something like that. Then I delve into that. So what are your favorite things to cook, uh, or the favorite things to eat? You know, Chinese. Oh wow! Wow. <laughs> Hey. hey, that was hey, that was yeah. like, that was like an answer. I was yeah. expecting to say maybe ribs. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually got some. Uh, I actually got a couple of Chinese dishes uh, that I cooked on YouTube. Okay. So yeah, right. I love I love cooking Chinese and Thai. Thai is my favorite because Thai tend to be a little more spicy. Well, yep. Uh, I I actually like your choice in foods. I mean, I'm a Chinese. Food, yeah, myself. <laughs> when I don't have the money to get anything else, <laughs> but nah. you know, now if I was yeah, no, that's, that's my favorite. Now, if I was to visit Memphis and I wanted to eat some good barbecue, what would be some spots that you tell me to go to? and R, Rendezvous, Corkis, and um, Tops. Man, I can go for days with this, man. It's, 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 it's too many. It's too many. You know, Memphis got more barbecue restaurants than they got churches. Oh man, that's crazy. 
Yeah, hey, you can get a barbecue sandwich quicker. You can see the, you can you can talk to the Lord, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they everyone man. There's so many, there's so many of Oh yeah, we we definitely definitely gotta uh, check check that out. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, if you hit if you hit if you hit Memphis though, you're gonna definitely wanna go to uh Rendezvous. Uh they got they Rendezvous actually got a gold plaque of uh three six mafia, our first gold plaque, they got that in their restaurant. And I saw it on Food Network. I took a screenshot of it and it's not tweeted. This is before Instagram was even out. I tweeted it. Cause uh, they was they was doing a show about barbecue, and they went to that restaurant because that's like the most popular barbecue restaurant in Memphis. And uh, they they went past, and uh, the Food Network showed uh, the Three Six Mafia first uh, gold plaque on the wall of the Rendezvous restaurant. Now, were you aware of that before seeing it on the on on the show? I didn't know it was gonna be on the show, but I knew the plaque was okay. in there. I gave it. I gave it to him. Okay. Because okay. when I, when I, my mom passed away, and I, I took the record, the gold records that she had on her wall at her home that I had mm-hmm. bought her, and uh, I took all of them home, but I gave that one to that restaurant the day, the day of the funeral, or like the next day or whatever, or the same day or whatever. All of us went to go there and get something to eat, and I gave them that record. What? Let me ask you this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just said it's my favorite restaurant. That's why I gave it to them. Oh, okay. Now I was going to ask you which one. Which one of you has the Oscar award? Who who gets to keep the Oscar award that you won back in '06? Everybody got one. Everybody got one. Okay. Okay. Oscars, Oscar is the is the the most legit award. Like Grammys, are, you know, I ain't gonna speak about the Grammys, but you know, it's they it's it's it's, it's a little they got they got they got their weight, you know. So, but Grammys are different. So, like, it's, if you win if you win a Grammy, you don't get it the same day. Even They'll mm-hmm. give you one to hold on the show. That's not your real one. They'll mail it to you later, and then everybody on the song don't get one. One person will get one, and other people will get a, a little plaque that'll go on your wall, and yeah. it'll just say that you won a Grammy. <laughs> and one person, one of the people will get it. So basically, I'm sure a lot of groups done killed each other over that. But... Um, <laughs> The Oscar, every person got one. And then the one that you hold on that stage is the one that you literally take home with you. Matter of fact, I took mine. Oh, all of us took guys home that night, and me and one of the other guys in the group uh, was at a party that night, and I spunk heads. You know, we just standing up there, you know, just hold them, and I think I turned to the side, and he turned to the other side, and both of them bumped heads, and my Oscar got a scar on the top of his head. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Fuck. I was like, fuck, nigga, get your ass away from me. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, got a scar on, which is kind of cool. I mean, you know, you can call it Scarface Oscar. It's pretty cool, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it got a scar on top of his head, so you take that actual Oscar home with you, but they mail you the nameplate, so mm-hmm. your name go on the front of it. So they mail you the name. They put the nameplate in the mail 
and a couple of little small screws, and you just screw the nameplate in yourself. Look, because they don't know who's going to win the day of, or, you know, at least they tell you that. But they don't tell you who's going to win, so you don't know that you're going to win. And So they just give you just a blank Oscar, and then you put the nameplate on when they come in the mail. Okay. So will you be doing any more soundtracks in the future, or...? Yeah, I am, actually. I just talked to some people today about uh, some means that I got to take in L.A. once this tour is over about another soundtrack. Okay. Now, um... I want to get into uh, horror movies, though. That's my that's my thing. I want to get into scoring horror movies. Oh, man, you be right down Rob Zombie's alley then. I mean, I actually want to do something with Rob Zombie. I love Rob Zombie. Now, I have this track I want to play from you, The Mafia Six, featuring Fiend and LeChat called Pan Top Dollar. Uh, can you tell us about this record? Yeah, basically, um, that record was, um, I don't I don't usually listen to a lot of demos that I get through my email mm-hmm. because I get so many. I probably get a thousand a day. But um, this one particular time, I listened to this one, and um, it was this paying top dollar hook that they sampled from Rick Ross, some dudes from overseas in a whole other country. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't really use other people's beats. So I was like, I like this hook. I like the idea of this song. So I'm, um, I'm gonna put my own beat behind it, and then I'm gonna make a song out of it. And they was like, all right, that's cool. And um, I did it, and I, lo- I love the way it came out, and we just ended up, you know, releasing it as one of the singles. But um, that's how that record came about, man. The first time, really, I ever used a, a hook, out, you know, outside of our account. Okay. And, um, and it came out great. I loved it. All right, well, we're about to check out Pan Top Dollar Bar. Before we uh, play that, are, are there any... Uh, Acknowledgement for shout outs you'd like to give? Special shout out to everybody, you know what I'm saying? The whole Mafia Six and uh man, just all the fans out there, man. I got the best fans in the world. They've been uh, dealing with my shit for twenty four years, man, and going on twenty five come next year. It's a great thing, man. I love my fans. Triple six centers. <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. And DJ Paul wanna say thank you for taking your time to call in. Uh, definitely wish you well on the rest of the uh, Shock Fest tour that you have coming up this week, and we'll definitely stay in touch with you and and, and maybe get you back down here to Army University again. <laughs> yeah, get me back down there, man. Y'all follow me on uh, everybody out there. Follow me on Instagram. I do talk back to the fans on Instagram at DJ Paul K O M. Letter K, letter O, letter M, like King of Memphis. And uh, the same for the Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at DJ Paul K O M. Follow the Mafia Six at the Mafia Six D A M A F I A number six letter I letter X on Twitter, and the Mafia Six on uh, Instagram D A M A F I A number six letter I letter X I G. The Mafia Six I G and it's going down. And last but not least, man, the website. 
DJ Paul KOM dot TV. Not dot com. DJ Paul KOM dot TV. That's the website. You can get everything on there, man. You can get to the barbecue. You can get to the barbecue six. You can get to me. Everything. It's going down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And thank you so much, DJ Paul. We'll definitely stay in touch with you. Anytime. We're about to play to the Mafia Six featuring Fane and LaChat, paying top dollar, and we'll be right back. Yeah. This is about to go down. The mafia sick. Let's chat. Let's go.
police type. That's playing cool, you know it's cameras on them street lights. Oh, act a fool, nigga Kelly, you a beast, right? It's tough flow, but my hood call me beast, right? Everybody getting robbed if I don't eat right. I did wrong all my life, I can't see right. My new chick, 88 MC life. And I'm reaching for my guns if I see life. It depends on how I'm feeling, homie. It get real like that, down to Philly, homie. And my wife about to leave me, she been feeling lonely. 30 clips, when she hugs me, she can feel it on me. Oh, Allah, can you help me? I was cooking raw, you was taking selfies. Drinking eggs raw, back on my healthy. I had a dream, my whole team was living wealthy. Then I woke up on the north side. I think I cried in my sleep, but my boy died. She said, low trick, don't it, and that horror lie. Young boy, 100 pounds for the four or five. Every bar is authentic, you just force lies. Young Rod Harvey, leave that nigga all time. Double shot of Henny, do it for the hard time. I'm a crook, I do this rap shit part time. I'm on a dollar like that one eye. I think I lost all my feelings when my son died. But I still offer prayers for the sunrise. God forgive me for them times I let my gun ride. The devil had a hold on me. And them demons was controlling me. Everything ain't always what it's supposed to be. I get money and I put it where it's supposed to be. Bank account for my little ones. My niggas tell me, come out, have a little fun. Like the cake for my niggas, you the fucking crumb. They some lanes with money, you be fucking up. Damn shorty, you is out of pocket. Many back 40 right in my pocket. My best 500 on the side pocket. We used to take a good meal with some hot pockets. See, this is the perfect timing, man. I'm a perfectionist, you feel me? I'm smoking to the face, shooting in the face, tatted on my face, shorty give me face. My youngins all want to shoot, tell them pump they brakes. This is real estate, this is shrimp and steak. Joe is number eight, number runners, this is fake. This that down on your last and your girl late. This that take it to the doctor, nine months. The crook, nigga, I relate. This is Fred Hampton, cigar in the Hampton, a car in the mansion. Bitches in the room dancing. I guess the Molly must have got to him. This for my niggas in the streets, name not ruined. This that Ron O'Neill kick game, quite fluent. This that private jet, a hundred bricks came fluent. This is OBH, we got the streets. Making love to your wife and Versace sheets. Then we play it cool, next day we don't speak This that blowing money fast, free that nigga me And free ad on that note Sheepskin, fur neck, gas in the coat True religion, bucket on, nigga, I'm a coat Back massage, and she let me pit it in her throat I just might fuck her on the air mattress If I ever feel threatened, I just air ratchet <laughs> Y'all gotta be the nicest nigga in the game, man. <laughs> At least one of them. Worldwide, too, nigga. I do this shit for fun. <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, fly, I know yeah. I got it. I'm yeah. the soul plane pilot. Yeah. I got geeks off in my radar. High yeah. school, could call it. They feelin' me like the dentist. Get this wide man like Dennis. And my one, no probably send it. So I ride around and I'm getting it. I'm all about my pay. She been, she getting paid. I'm fist pumping now, so I'm dodging Narganes. I'll probably take your girl and probably never date her. Probably thinking she won't do it. Bet she will like Jada. And I'm an aviator. I save your chip for later. I'll probably have a dime. If not, don't waste my time. And she looking for change. It can get real major like painting. You can catch me talking back and night. Talking about the game. I'm insane. In the membrane. I get on the hustle. Welcome y'all back to the Live by Terrence show. I am T-Rex. I just want to say thanks to Scott Smith for checking in with us weekly talk football and also our special in-studio guest host Jermaine uh, are there any shout outs comments you'd like to give right now oh, shout out to everybody out there who's listening to the show thanks for listening to the show thanks for letting me be a part of the show and thanks to the whole family the Hype Vaccine family for letting me be a part of and I also want to give a shout out to my girlfriend my wifey my love of my life the admin of the Live by Terrence show, Wendy, the Hype Magazine, College Underground Radio, Blog Talk Radio, tune in to friends and family, especially our children, Casey Cordier, Deontay, Valencia, TJ, Hayden, and Cameron. <laughs> so I definitely give thanks to them and also the squirrels on the outside studio. Yeah. They want to toss nuts at us now, so I guess... It's time to wrap up. <laughs> but I also want to give a shout out to my mom. I know she's probably. Hi, mom. But, uh, well, I, I say hi, mom, but I know they're not listening. <laughs> but they do support the show and support us as well. So I want to say hi to the parents and hi, mom in law. <laughs> mom in law is. She cooked the five breaths this morning. It was so good. Yeah, I knew I should have went with y'all last night. Guys, I always miss out on stuff. That's all right, though. I'm here doing the good stuff this night. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Make sure y'all tune in next Sunday, 6 p.m. This is our last, I promise, last 8 p.m. show for the fall and winter season. Come back around around the spring if you want to listen to us live. We'll be live 6 p.m. Eastern Time every Sunday. And also catch us on Turntable Thursdays every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. It's a, only, it's a strictly music show. You definitely got to tune in. So I just want to tell everybody peace and have a good night. Good night, y'all.